everybody. Welcome to our very first podcast episode. Altogether, we're going to have six episodes. So to get us started, we're going to be talking about observing children and engaging in pedagogical documentation. Now, you might not know what observation is. Well, essentially, observation, it helps educators to understand each child's knowledge, needs, interests, and skills. Now, this is just a brief description. Throughout this podcast, we're going to go into more detail. But before we get on to it, I'm going to be talking a little bit about documentation. So documentation is used to share with families and communities as as a way to demonstrate children's competency and capacity. And the biggest thing that I want to stress about documentation is that it makes learning visible. Now, my partner Rachel is going to be talking a little bit more about that in length later on. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and join us each week as we discuss all things about early childhood education. All right, Rachel. Um, I'm going to start by asking you a question. So why do we observe children at play? What is the purpose of observation? So some key points of observations are to understand each child's knowledge, needs, interests, and skills. Uh, Furthermore, observations also help uh, educators to understand how children are learning and highlight where uh, we can shift or add to our curriculum to further their learning and development. And according to Ontario government, um, uh, observations provide opportunities for discussions uh, among early childhood educators, other early learning practitioners, uh, children, and families. So as a result, uh, these discussions support learning at home and in the early learning setting. In my opinion, educators uh, could also observe a child's tendency and cultural behaviors through activities so that, you know, uh, educators must uh, avoid uh, telling the child uh, what a boy should do, how a girl should look like, or whether they should express themselves uh, the same way as their peers do. And that would be everything. So what do you think about that? Wow, I think you did a great job with your research. Um, Everything you said is very, Yeah. yeah, everything you said is fascinating. And what struck me that I also found in my research was how um, how important it is to observe in going forward with our curriculum. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at the children, we are looking for what they're yeah. interested in, how they are responding to the environment. And I think you touched on that in your research. And yeah, that was Thank really great. Thank you. So um, now we're going to move forward to the importance of observation. So can you share with us some ideas uh, of that? Absolutely. And in sharing the importance of observation, I'm going to talk a little bit about research questions. So essentially, research questions are more in-depth questions that are open-ended and suggest multiple directions and possibilities. So some examples I found when I read the article, Why Observe Children at Play, are 
um, why is this important? Or what do I wonder about my teaching? And how are the children demonstrating wow. their humor? So when we're asking these questions, they're investigative. They're seeking possibilities and multiple re responses. Um, they're assuming that knowledge and understanding are constructed. So essentially, we're looking at the entire process of the children's play and learning, not just a specific moment that um, that we uh, try to figure out. Right now in the observation process, we are looking at that moment, but we're just looking at why it's important. So that's how I'm going to start off talking about why observation is important. Do you have anything um, to add? Yeah, so um, I think that, um, yeah, so when considering uh, the documentation, we should be mindful of some other factors such as tiredness, uh, hunger, uh, boredom, and many other feelings that could affect uh, a child's uh, performance. And they can impact uh, whether a child will demonstrate the skills they have learned at the time of assessment. And um, yeah, like, uh, and we should pay more attention to uh, a child's uh, interest and abilities. So for example, uh, some children prefer active place uh, why others love reading time without observation and documentation of how children perform and uh, express themselves in each activity, uh, educators would find it harder to support, uh, promote, and provide children with their interests and, and uh, abilities. Oh, uh, and uh, in our materials, um, in the course content, uh, the faculty also, they also suggest some uh, interesting uh, tools such as the, the site uh, HiMama. So um, uh, I, I think uh, those apps would be so great and beneficial for our professional uh, practice and knowledge. We got to check it out. Yeah, I, I think what you touched on there about um, including technology, especially during the time of COVID, when I'm sure most childcare centers have either completely closed or gone yeah. online, understanding how to use the apps in our observations, and again, going on to documentation, I, I think it's great that you discussed all of those things and how they can be applied to different oh, platforms. Yeah. Oh, and you uh, do you remember the Seesaw site that um, Lindsay uh, introduced to us uh, last week? I do. I, I was wondering if you could tell me a bit oh, more yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. So it is a great tool to connect with families and children, uh, especially in this global crisis. So uh, essentially, um, educators can post some pedagogical documentation and text some students on the site. By using this tool, uh, I think the parents can be up to date with their child, um, like what the child uh, participates in and how he or she performs and what uh, interests uh, are and parents also have more topic to talk about their child. Using this tool, uh, parents can be up to date with what their child uh, participates in, how he or she performs, uh, what in uh, what their interests are, and uh, parents also have more topics to 
talked with that chai. And, you know, sometimes I'm curious about what the environments and activities look like in the early learning setting. So I think this is a great tool to make the learning process more vivid. And it also does wonders for the collaboration among uh, parents and educators. So I, I think this is a cool software. What do you think? Oh, I think, yeah, from what you explained, I think Seesaw would be a great way to engage both students and their yeah. families because both are just as important, yeah. right? And yeah, and even how we're collaborating right now, we're discussing these things. As educators in our practice, if we're able to continue discussing in the classroom and in the child care center, I think we're going to be able to bring our ideas together and really create a rich learning environment for the children, which we can document. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so speaking of documentation, I'm going to start us off into that avenue right yeah. now. So documentation is used to share with families and communities as a way to demonstrate children's competency and capacity. Now, an interesting resource I found was What About the What? Have you heard about that? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I might have heard this uh, from the course of Lindsay, right? Yeah, exactly. So What About the What is a discussion framework. Now, it goes through several questions focused on each word. So what, what about the what, so what, and now what? And essentially, this is one example of a framework which we can use to um, work around documentation. And there are so many different ways we can document as educators. Um, there are learning stories. There are um, panels we can create. and. I would like to share a quote right now before you can continue what oh, I'm yes. talking about. So the quote, yeah. is, okay, so the quote is by Carlina Rinaldi. So she says, documentation is not simply a technique that can be transported, but a way of guaranteeing that our thinking always involves reflection, exchange, different points of view, and differences in assessment or evaluation. The documentation materials we use attest not only to our path of knowledge regarding children, but also to our path of knowledge about the child and humanity, and about ourselves. They also attest to our idea of the teacher as a researcher, of school as a place of research and cultural elaboration, a place of participation, and a process of shared construction of values and meanings. Well, Natalie, thank you for being so informative and giving us so much information. And so you mentioned about the documentation. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, in this topic, we're talking about pedagogical documentation. And according to How Does Learning Happen, pedagogical documentation is so much more than it means to learn about how children are thinking and discovering their environment. So pedagogical documentation moves beyond. Um, it's just simply reporting children's behavior. To make it pedagogical documentation, it means that as educators, we are really looking in depth 
at the foundations of learning and the foundations of learning that how does learning happen points out our well-being, belonging, engagement, and expression. So for example, when a child is in the learning environment and we are observing them to document that, we wouldn't just say, oh, the child was doing this and then they moved on to doing that. As educators, we would ask questions like, well, what is it, what is what they're doing um, relating to their engagement? Like, how are they engaging in their play and why is that important? And in doing so, we are making moments, day-to-day -day moments come alive for families, for other colleagues, and for children themselves. So when children, um, they view the pedagogical documentation, they're able to have another look at their learning and it empowers them and it empowers themselves. It promotes a sense of belonging and well-being. It strengthens the relationships we have with the children. And that is possibly one of the most important parts of documentation is the fact that it allows us to really develop stronger relationships with others and it invites collaboration and it slows us down to observe, listen, and think. So that's pretty much what I have to say about documentation. Um, is there anything you'd like to add, Rachel? Oh, yeah. Um, that's really interesting, like, and almost everything that uh, is related to documentation. And, yeah, and when you mentioned about the um, uh, open-ended questions, like, uh, I think it's really crucial, right? Like, um, it's a way to uh, trigger uh, their wonderment, like, uh, with open, can you give us some examples of, of open-ended questions? Yeah, so an example of an open-ended question would be something like, um, uh, what can I do to prepare myself emotionally when I'm not feeling my best? Uh -huh. Now, that's more of a researchable question, but it can definitely apply to children. So we can turn that around and say, um, what is this child doing to regulate their emotions yeah. um, and in asking that question we're paying attention not only to what we see but we're interpreting it and we're documenting it we might think to create a learning story and describe to the children how they are um, engaging with their emotions so they'll be able to see that and and learn and grow from it oh yeah so yeah interesting yeah really interesting so we we try to avoid um questions that uh like uh yes no questions or some questions that uh, uh they have um uh, specific uh, answers right like uh, we want to trigger yeah. their mind and they can think of more possibilities and descriptive uh, language right Exactly. And in doing that, we're drawing out experiences, beliefs, perspectives, and involving emotions as well as thought. And you know, Ray, that brings me to the idea of play and how play relates to all of this. And I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about some of the benefits of play and how that relates to documentation and observation oh yeah sure so uh we learned from the course of uh, pedagogy in the first semester that 
children learn through play, problem solving, and firsthand experiences, right? So um, yeah. yeah, and through play, children could uh, express themselves uh, verbally and non-verbally in creative and imaginative ways, uh, such as when they uh, create uh, art uh, or when they are in the traumatic play. And they could also learn to communicate, negotiate, and collaborate with others, um, like in traumatic play or team play when they have to discuss um, ideas and the concepts and uh, they have to follow the rules, things like that. Uh, they could also move in new ways uh, since play is inherent, uh, inherently uh, physical and challenges uh, children. Um, they can uh, run, jump, climb, and so on. Uh, and lastly, um, they, it could also um, promote children to interact and communicate with adults, uh, caregivers, and peers. So uh, uh, as a result, uh, children could build strong and safe relationships with them. So I think, um, yeah, play uh, plays an important role in children's uh, experience. Yeah, mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. I think play, like everything you said about play is so powerful because you're right, play really is how children best learn and develop. And when it comes to documentation, um, we read the article, The Power of Documentation in a Reggio-inspired Classroom, and they talk about specifically what documentation entails. Like if we are going to be documenting a play episode, then it would look like um, putting up samples of the children's work, um, including photographs of the children engaged in the project work and also commenting and making transcripts of conversations. So we might have some text next to the images um, and thinking about putting the images at eye level if we want the children to view it then. Or we could think about including the children and our colleagues and families as we create pedagogical documentation. Um, and the most important thing there, I guess, is including examples of the children's work and reflecting on the processes and emphasizing um, the process of play. And we want to think about how the document can highlight how the children planned, carried out, and completed their work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's specifically about a Reggio-inspired classroom, but I think it can apply to all of them. Yeah. Um, did you have anything yeah. to add about that? Um, uh, so, Natalie, do you know the term uh, sit spot? Um, actually, I haven't heard of that before. Okay, so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. So a sit spot is originally uh, a technique that allows a child to choose a place outdoors that appeals to them. So they will visit and spot uh, repeatedly to observe the natural world. But it is important that the sit spot um, is the one chosen by the child, that it is free from uh, hazards and relatively uh, comfortable and shaded. Um, the idea of this technique is to help uh, children to develop a relationship with nature as the child visits the same place in nature many times. 
And as a result, uh, children could notice the changes in the surroundings, in all types of weather, uh, time of, times of day uh, and different seasons. So um, this technique uh, would do wonders for educators in practicing observation. So we did this activity once in Lindsay's class. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I do remember, actually. Yeah, so the practice was to sit in your chosen spot outside for a few minutes. Yep. Yeah, without doing anything. Just try to clear your mind with all from all the assignments that you had to complete and all the things you have going on in your personal life. And after that, uh, we needed to describe what we observed. So I did notice some remarkable Details uh, suggest birds chirping, leaves rustling, then insects buzzing, wind blowing through my hair and cheeks, and the neighbors talking gardening. At that moment, I really oh. yeah the beauty of the things that I used to skip uh, because of my daily hazels. Um, did you have some memory or things with uh, that assignment? Yeah, so for that assignment, I went and I sat by a body of water, and like you, I experienced the sun on my face and the wind through my hair, and uh, I wasn't thinking as much about all of the things, and it made me think about how that can that exercise can be applied um, in all of our observations. So when we are in the child care center as an educator and we're observing children, we zone out all of the cares of our world and we just focus on listening to the child and watching them in that moment and in doing so we're able to to really dig in to what they might be thinking what they might be learning and ask questions talk leaders and go about documenting and thinking about how to make that documentation pedagogical yes that's true so um so in order to do that, I have some skills and uh, to, uh, actually there are some components of observation skills that I would like to share with you and the listeners. And do you want to know that? Absolutely. Yeah. So according to Deb Curtis, uh, so Deb Curtis is an author of Creating uh, Invitations for Learning, the material that we used in, in the course of inquiry and play. So Deb Curtis uh, mentioned uh, the components of observation skills. Uh, it includes um, objectivity, specificity, directness, and mood, and completeness. So uh, to provide you with more details, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about them. So with objectivity, we need to observe without uh, judging. You put on hold your worry about a potential mess or injury and be present in the moment with the play. With um, specificity, we look for specific details such as the number of children adults involved the kinds and amounts of materials and the time span of the activity. With directness, we record direct quotes at, as much as possible. Um, and you know that photos obviously don't offer sound, but observers can hear and recall what children say. 
with mood, um, we describe uh, the social and emotional details of a situation. This includes uh, terms of voice, body language, facial uh, expression, hand gestures, and other nonverbal information. It takes considerable um, practice to learn to use mood cues for descriptive details rather than interpretation since, you know, uh, more often than not, uh, we would interpret a situation based on our own experiences and perspective. You don't know what you don't know, eh? And uh, with yes, the completeness, exactly. yeah. And with the completeness, uh, we describe incidents as having a beginning, middle and end. A complete recording describes the setting who was involved Uh, the action in order uh, in the order it occurred, the responses, interactions, and the ending. And oh, and besides, uh, I'm also uh, interested in the comparison of uh, Megan Markle and Diana Spencer uh, when they were in their wedding dress. Um, this photo. Yeah. Oh yes. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So. Um, uh, I mean, both of them were so beautiful and elegant, but like in uh, in these photos, yeah. So um, Megan wear a dress uh, uh, with less uh, little details, so we could um, focus more on her facial expression. Why Diana wore a dress with more details, and so we could skip um, her facial expression. Yeah. So the Yeah. yeah. So I think through these photos, the yeah. yeah. When I saw those images, I agreed with you. Yeah. So uh, I think through these photos, the instructors remind us of how unnecessary details could be. Uh, it could be disturbing and irrelevant to what educators truly want to focus on. So we had to be a little bit picky and careful to keep the lines simple so that the documentation could be an effective writing, yeah. Yes, I completely agree that when we are documenting, we don't want to include every single thing. We want to focus on what's important because like the dresses, less is more. We were able to focus on what was important when there weren't all of the extra bits that were really unnecessary. So I think, thank you for sharing that example. I think that was really great. Thank you. Such a pleasure working with you. Yeah, we have covered lots of aspects uh, related to observation and documentation. You have done many pieces of research and put deep thoughts uh, into this process. Thank you for sharing with me and our audiences a multitude of uh, precious concepts and experience. I can't wait until next week to talk with you more. Yeah, I completely agree. I think today our first podcast went really great for everyone to give it a listen. And I'm really looking forward to the next five we're going to go through. And I appreciate you for also doing all of your research and sharing it with me. And now I'd like to hear you close us off. So that brings us uh, to the end of the episode of this week. I am excited to present to our listeners the next week's topic, Programming for Inquiry. 
um, we hope to share with you some interesting concepts and information on this topic. Thank you for your attention and we look forward to connecting with you next week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and stay hydrated. Yeah. Bye everyone. <laughs>